Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for the art of the CEO. The show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who just can't wait to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And whether you're a veteran journalist and journal founder and author of books on fine wines like George, or a battler for gender equality uh, like our employee attorney, Holly, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your business. Now, every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, The Art of the CEO streams live through your cyber door, through the utter magic of the Internet and cyberspace and all that stuff we don't understand. And every one of our shows may be downloaded by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. Again, that's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. Visit and explore for your benefit and have some good times with it. And just to remind you also, we are having our grand gala celebration on Thursday, March 19th, to which some of you listeners will be invited. So stay tuned and we'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the show. But uh, shall we get on? Because today's episode, you're going to love, it's called Watch Out, They Bite. Business Monsters to Avoid. Yes, today we're going to poke a lot of fun and shed some rather unwelcome light on those dark denizens who lurk around your workplace halls, those misguided souls who believe that for me to rise, you must fall. You know know them, the cheating, the credit-stealing, the backstabbing, pompous, overblown, or just plain rotten corruptives whom we all would love to murder and get on with the business of enjoyable business. Uh, and here to help us commiserate and perhaps give a few handling tips is the man who really literally wrote the book on the subject, Mr. Lou Letterman, uh, author of Watch Out, He Bites, A Zoology of Dangerous Businessmen. So get ready for fun, folks. But before we chain and tame today's business monstrosities, let's take a moment to supply everyone out there with a few utensils for our Feast of Wisdom. First, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now, that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. So, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you begin to fill the skill gap? I mean, look at what you're doing, look at your goals, and then determine what new ability you need to set the study? Or will you just keep hoping that the uh, goals will slip in your hands with the talents you have right now? The choice is truly yours. Now, secondly, the second utensil, uh, yes, it's time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me get hold of it here. Here we go. We're going along. Okay, here's one. Here here it is. This is number 79. Uh, Oh, I don't know. Somehow the CEO's new rallying cry of let's fill the company coffers just doesn't seem to be catching on. (laughs) And as an afterthought, you're just really not going to raise people's sights and energies under the banner of corporate greed, friends. When you finally get a mission that provides a little pride and a little enrichment for me, you give me a call. I'll happily fall in behind you then. And as a third utensil, 
perhaps we should call today's utensil the deflator fork, we're going to give you the answer to last week's business quotation. Now, today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. So simply write uh, that name to and put it in, send it to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you're right, we'll send you along a marvelous gift from the dungeons of the Bart's Books bookstore. So, the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, the executive exists to make sensible exceptions to general rules, was none other than MIT professor and author of Men, Machines, and Modern Times, Elting E. Morrison. So, now, ladies and gentlemen, let us dig into today's feast and call upon the Ottawa attorney who is master of humorous oversight and insight, Mr. Lou Letterman. Lou, how are you doing today? I'm doing terrific, Bird. How are you? Oh, life is good. Life is good here with all the snow and winter in full force. Now, Lou, I, as I understand it, uh, you're now attorney in private practice, but you've had a long history in the banking arena, right? I was wondering if you could give our audience um, a little background into, uh, about your law career. Okay, sure. In a nutshell, I started off in private practice and did a number of things, including uh, mortgages for average people. And I think I'm one of the few people that's ever read a mortgage from beginning to end, word for word. <laughs> Tedious, but I thought if Good I was going to do it, I should read it. Um, after that, I went into uh, clearing houses for banks, which in my day ran about $11 trillion a year. Um, oh now it's up to about 50 um, and I got recruited to Canada Deposit Insurance, which is the Canadian version of the FDIC, to deal with bank failures. Right, right, right. Oh, Banking ended, it? bank failures they really ended, put and you I went off on my own. Disaster after disaster. Yeah, well, good. Oh, well, now, Lou, I, I know they say that attorneys who have no sense of humor will lose their appeal. And I know that in your case, there's absolutely no fear of that. But I, I'm wondering, could you tell us? Uh, is it the frigid the Canadian climbs, or is your bow tie on a little tight, or uh, is, is it that you're, uh, like this host, a left-handed Presbyterian? What gives you this marvelous in-depth perception that allows you to, to have a good laugh at the realm of business? Any thoughts on that? Lou, I uh, don't seem to be able to uh, to catch your answer. So what I'm going to ask that you do, if you can hear me, why don't you just dial right in again, uh, dial that number, and we'll go on. And I'm going to tell you that when when Lou comes back, uh, we're going to get Heck right now. into his book. And uh, oh, okay, I joke Lou, when I'm cut uh, off um, about by saying uh, Big Brother had to change tapes. <laughs> Love it. That's great. So, yeah, be said. We have Homeland Security, so absolutely nothing. It's a joke except what we elect. Uh, uh, I was wondering. We we really should get into your book now. Uh, sure. It's a marvelous book called Watch Out, He Bites. And I'd like to start with one of your favorite denizens, and that's, uh, or one of my favorite denizens, the moist-lipped syncophon. Lou, could you give us a scoop on this lick your way to the top character? Well, sure. Um, the trick about a lot of this stuff is that they don't have labels. 
They don't wear a little sign around the neck saying, I am a sycophant. Um, How sad. So you have to use your wits to figure out who is and who isn't. And they... um, they're the ones. They're the they're the ones that that don't just flatter somebody. I mean, uh, a lot of flatteries baloney. A little bit of flatteries blarney. And everybody needs some. But the the real sycophant right. um, is a problem in a company. Um, mm. I uh, I'm rather fond of Gilbert and Sullivan. And you know, when I was a lad, I served uh-huh. a term and all that sort of stuff. And because he polished up right, the handle, right. he became the ruler of the Queen's Navy. There's also Emperor's New Clothes. And all the big sycophants right. tell the boss how good-looking he is, and <laughs> he believes it, and the company goes down the toilet. So right, right. the trick is, if if you surround yourself with sycophants, you probably are one yourself. Ah, well said. And it also means that your hopes of getting the truth or any uh, platonic dialectic uh, just are not going to happen. Um, well... Uh, seriousness aside, what uh, it, what if you share uh, on a team? You have a sycophant that's on, and you're yoked to one of these fellas, and he seems to be getting the bosses here by flattery. Uh, any tips on how you can can maintain integrity or make yourself heard? Well, there's sort of two questions. One is how do you get credit for your own good work, and the second part is how do you avoid right, blame right. for something the other fellow screwed up. And um, uh-huh. uh, because if you get the blame, you might get fired. Uh, and <laughs> yes, that, that ain't good. Part of it is really assessing how serious this is and whether or not the boss is uh-huh. worth talking to. And if you're either on what I call a pirate ship, where the whole place is right. basically out of sync, or you're in a sleepy hollow where they're all asleep, then what you really right. have to do is escape and have your have your escape plan, and then just don't sit on your hands. Do it. But it's, right. look it's at the, the time you got to go. Right. Okay. I, I I'm glad you put it that way. Well, there's another one um, that's, that's sort of in line with this. Uh, and um, well, actually, no. Let, let's do this one. The the glass the sharp tooth cannibal. Now, uh, you, you have a great shot on uh, you Folks, you've got to see this book. It's marvelous. Uh, and you'll be able to get it on Bart's books uh, very soon. But anyway, uh, the, the sharp-toothed cannibal, what, what does he do? Because this is special. Uh, he's the most dangerous. He's the most dangerous. Most yeah. of these people are profoundly unhappy people. They would have all this in common, all these really dangerous businessmen there. And they're probably yeah, driven yeah. by fear. That's what um, Peter Drucker would say, who actually started as a theologian. So, um, mm, where do you? Well, yeah, and um, Reinhold Niebuhr is talking about it. Even J.P. Morgan, who talks about character being important. These guys, it's mm-hmm. like um, Oscar Wilde's portrait of Dorian Gray, where the guy essentially is profoundly unhappy. He's a stinker, and what he does is he gets his. I guess satisfaction or something, feeling a dominance, feeling a power, out of right, right. Basically, breaking breaking the spirits of usually young people. Oh, and that's oh, why I call I've, it. I've seen it. It's, yeah, I. You know, this is. These are there are people who do this, but I also want to add that that uh, there are institutions 
that sort of take this as a policy that we're going to make you over in our image and, and to do that we are going to slather you with enough strictures to, to make sure that that your your again, your spirit is gone. I uh, any tips for kind of saving your soul from uh, the the cannibals, uh, be they institutional or individual? Well, part of it is the old saying, know yourself. So you have to understand that you're often deceiving yourself about people. Uh, You think they're great, but if you were to look at them objectively, they're not. And then the other one Uh, is make a point of trying to know other people. Really get as good enough. You're never going to get perfect information. Make it uh good enough in order to act. And then the question is, can the situation in the company be saved, or should you better get out somewhere or get off on your own because that's the wonder of the Internet. And when you're your own CEO, uh, the new economy is much different from the old industrial hierarchical uh, authoritarian command and control thing that it used to be. So uh, I would say accentuate the positive. Well, you said something at the very beginning that got me, and I, I like this, is that that you really have to know yourself. And ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, I'd i like to call this a quill pen moment, if I may. We've, we've had a rather timeless truth here that's, that's sometimes faded. I'd like you all to take your pens, dip them in the inkwell, jot this down, that you have to know yourself. That means taking a good, honest look, studying yourself, identifying your strengths, but identifying the whole you. We uh, back um, about 150 years ago in those Victorian times, which we all poo-poo now. There was a great emphasis on determining character. You've got to strengthen your own character. That was a baby that got tossed out with a lot of the Victorian bathwater that should have gone. Uh, Lou, I was was wondering, uh, talk a little bit about uh, one's individual character and and defining it. Got any ideas on how to do that? Okay, we seem to be. There we go. And here comes Lou again. All right. Yes, I'm back. All right. Isn't this marvelous? Don't you, a technology grant? Gosh. Anyway, we're talking about character and yeah. uh, ways that we might want to develop it. What's well, your thought? From my point of view, I look to lawyers who are taught to, taught to look at precedent. History is nothing but, but uh, human nature and biography. I um, I like to look at role models. And, you know, the first one oh, was okay. dad, and I admired him and looked up to him. But I found people, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, yeah. the Roosevelt cousins, John Kennedy. Um, and the books are full of all kinds of impressive people um, and good guy people. They're accomplished people. Mm, yeah. They're not stinkers. And so one one fellow once said, I'd rather stand on two legs than crawl on all fours. And that sort of sums <laughs> it up. I, I think you're right. I think that's it. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, you can read. And yes, you should find role models, find elements of character from people you admire, and don't mantle them on yourself. You certainly have that ability. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 
we have uh, come to the midpoint of our feast, and so I'd like us to take, if we may, a brief sorbet. It's time for me to introduce the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of Bart's book's Ultimate Business Guides, among many other things. And you may visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, to explore a, a wide wealth of practical wisdom, there we go, wisdom from business masters. And from the folks at Prometheus Publishing would like to have everybody uh, who's enjoying today's show take a look at one particular book that, entitled, So That's How They Do It, Tactics of Business Masters. And this is a really good one because in a series of brief essays, it gets right to the heart of what makes certain business people real players. It tells their stories and allows you, allows you to discern how, what over-the-top uh, attitude or technique or management perspective sets them onto a fulfilling career. In other words, it gives you proven tools that you can apply. And also, uh, allow me at this point to remind you of our upcoming March 19th gala evening of festivity in which we celebrate our, yes, first year on the air of The Art of the CEO Show. We're all going to gather uh, yeah, the Art of the CEO staff, and we will have many of our bizarre and intelligent guests coming together for a jovial party with rampant jocularity, Mer Merlot, music, lots of good stuff. And uh, Thursday, March 19th, 6 p.m., right here in Cranberry, New Jersey, at the Cranberry Inn, with uh, some very cogent business leaders and uh, a less, less than that host. And we're inviting many of you, my friends, so if you are one of the first ten listeners of this show to write us and say that you'd like to attend the party and join us, we will send you a personal invitation to the Art of the CEO Anniversary Gala. So, you, so just simply open up your little email box and say, I want to come to the party, tap that in, and send that to info at bartsbooks.com that's i-n-f-o at b-a-r-t-s-b-o-o-k-s dot com and the first ten of you will get to dine, drink, meet the guests and have one whale of a good time and so now ladies and gentlemen and all those who are wise enough to make snowmen with hemlock hair in this chilly weather rather than bemoan it uh, we are back with a gentleman whose wit reveals truth Mr. Lou Letterman Lou, uh, I was wondering if we could turn to uh, one of your more historical uh, lunatics and uh, denizens to avoid, Miles Gloriosus. Uh, now, I, I know that you're a fine and fanatic student of history and literature, so could you tell, first of all, I guess, who Miles Gloriosus was? Well, Miles Gloriosus is uh, Latin for braggart soldier. It was a feature, certainly of Elizabethan and probably well before that, plays in literature. And I came across him by watching a funny thing happen on the way to the forum with Zero Mostel. And um, he basically is a fellow that tells everybody how good he is because he figures if he doesn't do it, nobody will. And um, <laughs> the problem with him is that... Uh, he takes credit for other people's work, and I've seen this myself with senior people who have honors galore, but they'll never share with the young people that have done the work. And that's supposed oh. to be the role of a senior guy, to actually bring young people forward and advance them. And so, you know, it's relatively harmless if they're just a plain old braggart, but if if they have all yeah. these other trappings, then, then, then they're a problem. 
I I've seen you. I've seen this in in business myself, and it's. Uh, I've always felt that credit is a lot like love. The more you share of it, the more uh, comes back to you. If you say that uh, John helped did this part and Sally did that and Henry did this uh, in your in whatever report or whatever uh, presentation you're making. What that reflects on you, friends, is that you have the ability to achieve consensus and to manage people. So it really doesn't do you much good to silo credit. And after a while, no, no one believes that you've got it all. Is that right, Lou? Well, that's it in a nutshell. And the trouble is the guys that, that pretend they did it all are, in truth, really insecure people. And they, they radiate no, no. insecurity in truth. And is is there some way uh, – I have a, a few little tips. I was wondering, uh, if you're in with credit stealers, uh, any good quick tips to sort of make yourself connect uh, your deeds with it, with their author? Any good, good tips on that? Well, it really comes down to how smart the ultimate boss is. Uh, ah, it's their business. Okay, it's their true. business to know. And there is um, there is a saying of Peter Drucker. Um, uh-huh. He was asked how come he was so good at hiring people. And he said the question he asked was, would he want one of his kids to work for this guy? And if the answer is no, ah. you shouldn't be working for him either. Um, it's... Um, <laughs> Oh, and it's I integrity. Like uh, I like that. Yeah. If, you're, if the whole system, if the whole company uh, doesn't stress integrity, because the employees know pretty quickly if the people they work for yeah, or with yeah. doesn't have any. And they won't, they won't forget right. the board and senior management for putting that person there. Boy, that's, that's really true. If, if you, you, you burn yourself twice if uh, you hire the wrong kind of person because the the people, the whole rest of the team, are going to look to whomever hired us and say, "What sort of an idiot put this idiot here?" And uh, I think that's uh, that, that's something that we really do have to remember. And I, I love the rule about: uh, Would you have your son? Would you would you want your child to work for this person? We somehow care more about our children than we do about our own uh, situations. Very odd. Lou, yeah. you you have some other creatures in this book uh, who are are not so uh, not quite so destructive, but they're very very uh, sneaky and tentacle filled, and I I like the idea of your false father figure. I mean, he seems innocent compared to the rest of these guys, but he he really is a sort of a devious soul. Who is the false father figure, and and how do I what, what do I watch for? How do I determine him? Well, first you have to look to yourself because either you've already got a father, so you don't need another, uh, or if the one you've got is okay, you can't afford another. Um, and it's something <laughs> yes, in like something in you. You know, it's something in you that you seek out a father figure. Um, now, there's a line between ah. father figure and mentor and so forth, but you... Uh, right, right. Uh, you, part of it is trust, and you're giving family trust to a person that's not family. And so a friend right. of mine's father did that with his employer, and they had a, an unwritten contract that he would succeed him. And in the end, he double-crossed him, and he was left with nothing. So that 
having a written contract doesn't hurt to make it professional. The right. other part uh-huh. is um, it's a mixture of credit and blame, back to that theme, because if you want to avoid the blame, the very best example I have of that is when I was in high school, I was looking for an army shirt in my father's old army trunk, and I found it. But I found a little thing the size of a check, which was a receipt. And uh, it was dated and stamped, and it was uh, June or July of 1944. And uh, it said, received received from Captain Letterman the live body of so-and-so, and it was signed. And I took it in, and I said to my father, you were like anti-aircraft, you weren't medical corps, what's this? He said, I was guarding an officer for a court-martial. When I turned him over to the next guard, I got a receipt to prove he was alive. And he still had it all those years later. And I met a retired general once, and he said that's still Canadian Army practice, and it's also U.S. Army and British Army practice. You get a receipt. Because people end up inconveniently dead, and they said, oh, it was Bart did it, not me. (laughs) Oh, my God. There there ain't no CSI on the battlefield. Right, right. Boy, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think we do have to, when taking the extra step, can be done appropriately and without making people feel bad, but it is it just is a show of your personal care in the business world. And that makes, uh, that actually shines well on you. And uh, I think, I, I'm glad you brought that story up. Besides, I just love it. Um well, let let we, me give we, you we just one other one thought. More. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. One other thought is when you're Go doing ahead. your assessments, make trying to make up your own mind yes. based on whatever information you've got, one half of your brain, the left half, uh-huh. focuses on logic, but the right half focuses on intuition. And don't dismiss intuition because it's not logical. It's not supposed to be logical, uh-huh. but it acts on all kinds of information that you would not otherwise notice. Ah, I thank you for that. That's that's very very vital, and um, I think that, uh, for instance, when you want to discern the difference, when you want to take a mentor, as you have, uh, as, as I think we all need to do, a mentor is someone who supplies information. A father figure wants more. There isn't that intuition of which you have just spoken. That, which is the the garnering of little pieces of actual evidence that that form in this intuition, and it's it's not to be denied. I, I'm glad I'm glad that you brought that up, and uh, I think we have time for just one more quick one. And this is the phony office pal. And friends, I, I wish you could see this book. Uh, he uh, Lou's done a marvelous thing. He he shows the man with his arm, gen generously around your shoulder and reaching into your pocket. So give uh, and briefly, give us a scoop on the phony office, pal. Well, uh, in a nutshell, and this is my own personal experience when I was in university, uh, oh. an upperclassman who was wealthy and sophisticated uh, made himself uh-huh. my friend, and I was flattered, and I thought that was great. And Here's the looking into yourself. I thought because I liked him, he must have liked me. And that's not so oh, yes. unrequited friendship. Anyway, he was very <laughs> solicitous and, and so forth of me, 
And I finally realized that it wasn't me he was interested in at all. He wanted to get to know my family, and in particular my father, who was a law professor and former Uh. dean of the law school, and he wanted to get into law school. And he wasn't able to use that connection. (laughs) Right, right. And so I I uh, think a a lot of us do that. Go ahead, Lou. No, I just said bigger fool me. Oh yeah. Well, the the I think a lot of us tend to in this age of quote networking, we we want to connect with people who will do us the most good. And I think that if you yourself have to watch out for it and you also have to be very careful that you do not end up being a person uh the one who is networking as a user individual, it's a very easy trap to fall into. So, Lou, I got to tell you, this is this has been a great deal of fun, and I've I've gotten a great deal of insight, and I'm going to look at I'm going to look at everyone at the office a whole lot differently now, for, for hopefully for better. And I thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we round out the show, uh, I'd like to leave you, as promised, with the business quotation. Who is the person who said, there's nothing so ridiculous that some philosopher has not said it and some businessman has not tried to profit from selling it? And a hint that this attorney and senator was, was, uh, quite frankly, uh, guilty of aiming at both many, many years ago. So if you remember the name of that author, and I invite you to... Send that to info at bartsbooks.com. Don't forget to sign it because we know where to send your gift. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, a two-page contract with an honorable person is a waste of paper, and a thousand-page contract will not save you from the clutches of the devil. Lou, I thank you very much for coming on. Good to have you. Thank you for having me. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.